0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers podcast, live from the boogie down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Munez. our co-host today, Dave Anderson, right by the Jersey Turnpike. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And today, we'll be talking about programming as a story.
1: Let me tell you a story, Mike. I got a story for you. Uh Uh-oh. I'm all ears. What's up? Sometimes it goes amazing and sometimes it goes pretty badly. actually it's three stories in one it's like a rubik's cube of stories
0: yeah i think you had mentioned earlier about all these different stories that happen in the daily life of a programmer and i thought it was very very interesting enough for us to talk about it and i do for some strange reason i had the thought of like oh every developer is like uh like their own personal Stephen King, if you will, but not as amazing <laughs> as Stephen King. That guy's amazing. Oh,
1: man. Hopefully, l- less less drugs and it, coffee. And well, just as much coffee. Just less as much cocaine and less
0: less <laughs> less fear and and clowns in your writing of
1: Stabbing. these stories. Yeah. Yes. Unless you're debugging, then maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a lot of screaming and debugging for me for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had this thought the other day, like there's different ways to look at programming, like mm-hmm. there's like the aspect where you're talking to the computer or to another programmer or like to the user and all these three things are different kinds of stories. And I, I came across this great article by David Hayes from Press Up from a couple of years back that that really like articulated what I was thinking about and I, I, I kind of love it this kind of different lenses that you can view the work at and like if you succeed in one it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a successful long-term future you got to get it right with all three in order to like really hit it out of the park with an application
0: yeah i think we could just dive right into these three different types of stories that programmers tell and what when it goes right when it goes wrong and how to prevent those things from going wrong and making sure that they're going right it's got it's gotta go right <laughs> it's it's got to, it has to and it's, it's part of our job is to make sure it goes right i want to start at the the, the very very bottom like i'm calling it the bottom layer because it's like the the one that's most closest to the machine and the computer and it's the story you tell the computer about how to do a specific task
1: right yeah like you have, you have to write code and then the, the computer takes that code and turns it into something that tells the computer what to do. Like, put the variable here, do a loop, mm-hmm. call the method. You know, if it works, then the computer works. Like, that. that's it. You've succeeded. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the way that you would,
0: to make sure that it works, you know, every programming language is different. So you have to know, like, the correct syntax and the correct way to write a for loop, right? An if-else statement looks completely different in JavaScript than it does in Ruby. They may, they're similar concepts, but the way you write them are different. And the computer needs to know how to translate this piece of code depending on how you write it, given the programming language that you're in. Right.
1: And like, yeah, if you're, like the earliest way that you can screw that up is like, if there's like a typo or like some syntax error in the code, and it just doesn't even compile, doesn't even run. But more subtly, if you get it wrong, then there could be a bug in there. Like it could go wrong in production and have an issue for you or a user. Right. So the idea
0: of writing to the computer is a story that we're constantly battling and to ensure that, we're doing it correctly so that we don't get those compilation errors or miss those semicolons or what have you.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we we talk about like unit testing and uh, integration testing and all that all the time as like a way to maintain correctness of a program. So yeah, like that's a tool that you can use to make sure that things still work as you make changes to the program. Like you're not breaking that first story of correctness but even that's not really enough because after you write the code inevitably you're gonna have to go back and change it Mm -hmm. it may be yourself six months later or it could be someone else on your team and if you can't understand what a code does like if you wrote that code in a one-line python list comprehension that does oh everything. <laughs> like you're like, wait, let me flex here. Yeah, I, I got this. Like <laughs> I don't line. need, I don't need two lines of code. I don't need three lines of code. I like, I got it in one. <laughs> you got it in one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you uh, know, re- respect.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can, I can, I can compact this entire application into one line. You can do that, as we mentioned before. Like the computer may not break. You may not have a compilation error. You may not break any of the rules of the programming language, but the second story is the story you tell other programmers or your future self about how this whole thing yeah. works. So the idea is that you are writing a story that other people are going to read. Before it was a story about how the machine is going to read it, but now it's how other people and you yourself, future Bobby out there who needs to extend this particular piece of code may need to understand how the story works and it has to be written well
1: right and i mean we've talked about a bunch on the show right like we've talked to the pragmatic guys and friend of the show jacob o'donnell about clean code so if you're like following those kind of ideals of having short methods and good naming and good structure to your code then it can make it more intuitive for people to come back to it in the future.
0: Right. I think examples where this, like when good storytelling is told here is when you need to extend this particular feature that you're able to by refactoring and extending unit test and not breaking the software or the feature that has been requested in the first place.
1: Right. Yeah. A good example of like code that reads like a story might be like if you have a shopping cart and you're like adding an item to the cart and you have to get like the total out like you could do everything in line or you could have use object-oriented patterns to structure the code in a way where you have a cart that has items and the cart can tell you what its total is and to get the total the cart asks its items you know what all their prices are and maybe there's like different tax rules for the location and that's super complicated. Like that's so complicated. You don't want that in line in your method there in one line in your list comprehension. You know, you got to get those tax rolls out of there into their own <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then like uh, being able to extend it makes it easier. And people can understand other people can extend it without having to ask you any questions. Like, those patterns are important. Uh this is the story that's like all of these stories as we're going through them are important in their own right and now even looking at the at past Mike thinking about the stories that I've written about like the way that other people are going to look at the code It's a very interesting way to look at code.
1: I think. Yeah, totally. And if if you're not doing this correctly, then you basically got like death by a thousand ifs right there mm-hmm. you know classic jacob o'donnell oh, quote yeah. episode number 58 from the tats oh yeah <laughs> and oh, you man. just have so you know people keep an eye on one more if statement and one more and then that's it you're, you're done
0: Before you know it, you got nested ifs everywhere. You yourself may not even understand the code. Eventually, someone's going to have the idea that we need to rewrite the whole thing because it's a legacy.
1: Uh Uh-oh. It's all coming back. (laughs) There's so many episodes tied in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This middle, the second story is really important. And like, it's really cool to see it as story writing rather than just like programming on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's
1: true. Programming is a team sport. It's not just oh, for you. Uh, I oh, guess wait. the team is your future self too, because your past <laughs> self is some other strander. He's a jerk. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just think about future you. Just think about future you while you're doing this, uh, while you're writing out these stories. Yeah.
1: And the the last story that you might tell with your application is like the story that users tell about the future, like the user value, the user story. So, they, they're going to get something out of it and they're going to be like, wow, that's really cool. Right. So, it's
0: like the the developer who has figured out how to deliver the user story by talking to the computer and also by talking to other programmers and making it clear so that other programmers understand makes this new feature much more useful and when you do that correctly you get clear user value you can get clear feedback on how people are using this new feature that you implemented this was done on the pillar of the first two stories that we spoke about because like the the stakeholders will talk about the feature and but it was the the programmers who
1: like ultimately had built this thing to work as intended yeah totally if it's going right then People are going to use the software and love it. It'll make their lives easier and you'll get a good fuzzy feeling inside, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's great when you get that.
0: Like, you know, people are using your product and everyone does positive reviews about it. Like, it's great. It's a great feeling. It's great to get that part as well. An example, when this story isn't told well, when it goes wrong is it's not clear to the users how to use this feature. And then unfortunately, the no one uses the product and or it's not useful, which is really lame. So it's like another thing to think about when you're telling the story of the feature as a user, you need to ensure that it resonates with the user so that they also
1: use it as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is like kind of one of the most like unfortunate and like way too common situations where you like... Think you know what you need to build, and you build it, but then people don't come, or it's like, oh, well, really? I just I need this one thing. Like mm-hmm. this one thing would really make it work. Like this, this is just like a shadow of you know I actually need, mm-hmm. or like you know it doesn't load fast enough, or it doesn't have all the
0: capabilities. Yeah, it is very unfortunate, but like when this story isn't told to all, well, that is ultimately what ends up happening which is really, really lame. So if you do get the chance to participate in, in the creation of what this user feature is, like ensure that you are targeting the user the way that they would like to and ensure that like, this is something that they're asking for. Cause when you do tell that story and the, you know, there's clear user value, it's great. So make sure you get that. You don't want to work hard in the first two story writing that you mentioned to then not have a product that's not being used as much as, as you mentioned, Dave, is is all too common. And we can avoid that if we just think about ways to make the story writing for our users better. When we were thinking about this particular topic, I was, I was wondering like if there was a way that I could use past experience to talk about the three stories and what that looked like. So I'm going to try my best right now. I was at a client and, um, the client was getting a lot of users so much so that they couldn't keep all the records of identification in one database. They had to use it into two split into two databases. Mm. So it was like sharding. Yeah, essentially. Uh, so the idea was like, you know, for the user, the user should not expect time to increase in terms of identification. They should be able to identify in less than three seconds when they use the application. So that's like the user story. Like, A, things should be business as usual. If we can make it faster, let's just do so. But right now it takes about two to three seconds to identify someone. We need to keep that same story intact. And the users will definitely be very happy about that. Because if if it gets slower, then people want things fast. This is America, right? Like we want things (laughs) to be done now fast food you got fast french food fries french right fries now. yeah what's Please. going on i want food yeah i want to be identified and i want french fries like that's just what we want <laughs> yeah
1: of course you want fries with that
0: yeah so that was like the user part so i'm going to skip this the second story we mentioned and go straight to the machine so the idea was that considering we have to split off the databases from one to two we needed to come up with an algorithm that would be able to identify, make a request to both databases to find the identification of a user. Given that if the user existed in one of the two databases, we get the correct one, and then we continue on with the identification. If we check both databases and in the two seconds they weren't identified, it means that they weren't in the database. And then we let the user know, hey, you're not in the application. Would you like to register it? Kind of thing. So that, you know, the user doesn't know this concept of like sharding or splitting databases and stuff like that. But like to the computer, we need to say, Hey, this is a requirement that we need. We need to read from these two machines. You let me know which one's successful and I'll take care of it. So then this leads to the second story, which is like the story we're telling other programmers. And this was done with a class that pretty much made a parallelization call to these two databases. And then made the decision as to which one was successful and what to do with that. And then when we get a successful response, we need to like track it and log it and stuff like that. And all this information had to be done in a way that, especially me as a consultant, and once I leave the place, people are going to have to extend that beyond me. So everyone needed to know and make sure they understood the application so that they could do that. So it's like really, really weird. Like the user doesn't know that they're identification could be in a database or in two or in five or in 10, but it's how you talk to the machine and how do you talk to other programmers about how to extend this application
1: that makes this feature real and possible. Yeah, totally. And I guess you you can imagine like the user just wants it to work. That's the third story that, you know, as as, as long as it keeps working and it worked quickly, then they're happy. Yeah. And there's no bugs and it's also not like convoluted like the way that you do it sounds like a very technical thing that you have to implement in order to do that kind of like sharding of the records and split the work across multiple machines so like it could pretty easily get complicated or surprising or challenging for other people to like pick up so definitely have to think about your other programmers and your future self as well
0: yeah if you're you're listening to this i'd be curious to know if you yourself can think back of times of how your work was broken down into these three specific stories it'd be really interesting so now i'm i'm definitely going to start thinking in this way of ensuring that the that i'm a story writer i just yeah. happen to use I, I just happen to use a <laughs> lot of
1: semicolons <laughs> <laughs> right i feel like you know was it strunk and white are not as into that <laughs> whatever the standard english style guide yeah but um yeah i'm I'm curious about that too like what when how did your stories go well and I, i'm especially curious how did they go horribly wrong yeah like <laughs> i feel like that's always like a more interesting thing sometimes
0: oh yeah yeah and people can look back and think of their work as such and i'm sure you'll find a lot of things of how you know, what you may have been successful in one and not as successful in the other and think about ways to be more successful in all three. But we'll definitely share the article in the show notes uh, because I think it was a pretty dope read altogether. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast.